welcome to the Privilege Eruption podcast with me, Ishreen Bradley, Chief Inspiration Officer at Belonging Pioneers. And me, Kami Nuttall, founder of Culture Lab Consultancy. Privilege is a conundrum that dilutes the culture of fairness at work. And as a leader, you recognize that your organization has more to do. You want to create success through connection and belonging, and you're unsure about how to make it happen. Now, the Privilege Eruption podcast is where you have the opportunity to evolve breakthrough thinking about the impact of power, privilege and purpose and how that shows up at work. And in these podcasts, you will gain the courage and confidence to realize a culture of inclusion for all. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Privilege Eruption podcast. Kami and I are delighted to have Andrea Carter with us today. We're going to be talking about two of the key barriers to having an inclusive culture at work, which we say are belonging and privilege. So, Andrea, we're looking forward to having a really great conversation with you about that inside of this podcast, which is all about what are the key barriers to evolving an inclusive culture in your organization. So, Andrea, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with both of you, Ashreen, Kami, and of course, all of our listeners today. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's, it's such a joy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Andrea, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, from your perspective, what's going on with belonging? Why is it a barrier? You know, what, what's going on in trying to create this inclusive culture, but belonging isn't there or it's something we come up against. Tell us your perspective. Sure. So I've just finished doing about seven years of primary research on belonging. And um, I'm really excited because um, two of those years, the the, uh, most recent two years have also been done through Adler University um, and redoing, well, not redoing, but doing a thesis And actually bringing um, the five years of previous research into an institution so we could validate Mm. and actually look at belonging through the lens of the organization. And um, really, I think there's two main components to the barriers of where belonging um, exists. So first, we look at belonging as something that's often misperceived. And um, there's kind of three main factors where people look at belonging and they assume that this is what belonging means. So the first is that belonging actually is a personality factor, which we know is it is not. The second is that um, people perceive belonging to be uh, this element where you have to be nice all the time and you have to agree mm. with everyone and you have this, you know, perfect workplace and there's no conflict, which of course is not the truth um, because we need okay. conflict healthy conflict. Yeah. Um, and then the third component of, you know, belonging being misperceived is that it will lower performance standards or expectations because when there's so much focus mm. on people having to behave in a certain way, then it takes away from the actual work being done. So all of those elements uh, came into play with the primary research that we looked at. And really um, the underlying factor came from the responsibility of who is responsible to create belonging within the organization. And I would say, so those would be the two main barriers. The first is that it's misperceived. And the second is that the responsibility of belonging is actually misplaced. Um, Mm -hmm. And the research actually shows that 
up until recently, it has been solely the responsibility of the employee to fit in. Now, fitting in and belonging are two separate things, but that has been the the other perception is that if an employee um, resonates and can align with the organizational vision, values, and organizational fit, that that employee should belong. And oh, the- I got it. I got it. So, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you've just triggered something. It's kind of like I have to make myself belong here by yes. fitting in. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. And so what the research shows is that because that has been the primary um, uh, responsibility and, and it has been the primary driving influence as to whether an employee is able to belong or fit in, What we've Mm. discovered is that that is actually one of the main barriers. And so until organizations understand their responsibility, and the research shows that when there is a reciprocated uh, responsibility between the organization, its culture, its leaders, and the individual employee, Mm. you can actually predict behaviors and you can increase performance. But until, yes, but until the organization mm. um, and the environment start to understand their part in creating belonging, that will remain a a barrier. Oh my God. Do you know what? I'm like itching to tell you my story, but I've already said it in a previous podcast, but like, you know, as a nature of... So as an as an eight-year-old coming to live in the UK, going to a Church of England school where I was the only brown girl mm-hmm. and learning that I had to be like them in, and not just to succeed, but just to survive, right? Sure. And then going back home and being told that kind of behavior is not acceptable here. And that would be so confusing because then you don't belong anywhere. Yeah. And- and that's really what we're seeing. And we're seeing, yeah. so what, what you've described, um, Ishreen, is a, is a factor called code switching. Yeah. And, and here is where we have the conflict because mm. most organizations will present themselves in a specific way. Oh, we're an inclusive organization. That's what we're all saying now. And yet what happens is that when, in, when organizations portray that their reputation is inclusive, And then somebody who is not only a visible minority or um, has diversity in a way that is visible. So we call that superficial or or surface level. Yeah, that's right. And they go into an organization and they're automatically met with barriers where they don't belong because you are behaving in a way that you've been socialized to one organization or one culture. Yeah. What happens then is that we, we, um, code switch. So we yeah, do what exactly. we need to do in order to fit in. Yeah. But then you're never actually true to our authentic self. That's right. That's and right. I'm, now I've got to ask you. I've got to ask you about that. You know, because my favorite example of code switching is Barack Obama. Yes. Barack Obama. You know, he can be in the White House and be very corporate, and then he can be with his homies and he's chilling out and hanging out. Now, is that a bad thing? Well, I guess it depends. I think code switching depends on how it's being used. Um, I think as human beings, we cannot get away from code switching. Yeah. 
Code That's my belief. Is not dependent on our uh, on the color of our skin. No. On the culture that we've been raised in. Yeah. It is in many ways a survival instinct. Yeah. Because belonging yeah. At, is as important as drinking or eating. Yeah. It, it actually is registered in the brain as the same trigger. So yeah. when you don't belong, when you feel like you are being judged, or when you feel like there is a group that you are not um, being enabled by. Yeah. We will naturally code switch yeah. because that is an evolution right. of our human that's brain. That's right. So that's yeah. learned from childhood and that's yeah. learned by people in the majority group and people who are not in the majority group, in the underrepresented groups, right? So right. how do organizations then go about um what do organizations need to do differently to not put the onus on the individual? So the first thing is that we have to begin measuring belonging. And um, that was actually a lot of what the research was on. How do we measure belonging in an organization? Mm. And so the research that I've done has actually produced five primary uh, belonging indicators. So comfort, connection, contribution, psychological safety, and well-being. Mm. And you can measure those through uh, a belonging in the workplace indicator, Mm. which is a survey that's taken and the organizations would have all of their employees fill that um, specific indicator out. And then what we then do is we look at the intersections of identity. So of course, we're looking at um, the three predictors of belonging, which are gender, um, race, or uh, ethnicity. And that um, those words, although they're independent, they are used differently in, in different um, yeah. countries. And so we, yes. we list them as together for yeah. the purpose of sure. everyone understanding. Sure. And then the third, of course, is career level. Yeah. And so mm. once we have the survey results in, we then look at the actual data and then we apply a specific weighting that allows us to look at those three intersections so that somebody who is a person of color um, who is perhaps a leadership and perhaps female, her um, roles and her her indicators or, or scores might be different than, let's say, someone who is a white male who is also a leader. Yeah. And by doing that, what it does is it produces a belonging score that is more accurate to allowing the voices that need to be heard to be heard because it balances them. And then from there, we actually look at what are the scores that are the highest? And the highest scores are where you always start because then you're able to introduce um, governance and trackability around being able to increase belonging within an organization. So for example, if we look at um, comfort, the, the workplace tactics under comfort would be to ensure, you know, just from a very primary perspective, that there is vision and mission alignment with all employees, or there's job description alignment and expectation alignment with all employees, Um, Mm. that you have policies and procedures around um, how people treat each other, what respect looks like, what equity, Mm. diversity, and inclusion looks like um, in the workplace, and then also modeling of what to do, how to do it, um, how to behave and also how to communicate mm. and how to ensure everybody has access to information. So let me just recap that I've understood that properly for, for our listeners as well. Yes. So basically you do the survey 
and then you rate it. The higher the rating, the more attention should be given. So most scores that come in, if you think of a typical engagement survey, let's use that. Now, what we understand is that engagement surveys are often skewed towards the um, median or the, yeah. the mean population. Yes. And yeah. so we know that they're not actually true data. Yeah, exactly. So what ends up happening then is that you your your initial scores are typically higher than what we yeah. end up with. So let's yeah. pretend, for example, and I'll give you a, a very common after being in five different uh, industries and over 12,000 employees have done this now. Yeah. We know that there's kind of a, a pattern that we see emerging. Yeah. Most organizations struggle with psychological safety as yeah. well as contribution and well-being. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so if we had, let's pretend that an average score initially would come in and it would be around 78. Let's right. say that would be a good score. Right. Um, once it's weighted, it typically drops to anywhere between 60 and 40%. Okay. You would then look at, imagine that we have a score of 55% for comfort, mm-hmm. um, 53 for connection, 48 for contribution, 32 mm. for psychological safety, sure. and maybe 40 for well-being, sure. just for example purposes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What we would know is that comfort is our top score in Got that scenario. It. Got it. And so because starting with every single indicator, organizations wouldn't be able to measure it and track it efficiently and effectively. Yeah, And when you look at how you are bringing in not only the tactics, but also the strategies, yeah. you start with a, a, a top-down, bottom-up approach, which yeah. means that you have to start with your leadership, yeah. um, training your leadership and what those workplace uh, behaviors and micro behaviors are in yeah. order for them to have synergy so that they are also then working with their supervisors and, and managers and then you're you're also developing from the bottom up with the employees of what in Got what it. belonging is. So yes. these are the behaviors that they need to role model. That's right. Got it. All right. Yes, absolutely. All right. Yeah. So I'm guessing in the first place they need to kind of understand that it's an issue. That's which right. Is, which is challenging for them. Um, how do they feel about role modeling? Do they feel that's authentic for them? Well, I think what happens initially is that when I like to look at training, specifically with leaders, the numbers allow leaders to understand where their weaknesses are and where their strengths are. Yeah. So for some organizations, you know, and, and again, often comfort is uh, an indicator that is highest because it's very common for you to have job descriptions. It's very common for you to have your vision and your mission that Mm. is repeated and communicated often and frequently. Yeah. When you have those baseline pieces, really what you're looking at is you're looking at how leaders might believe that they are creating a belonging environment. However, because of their privilege, they're actually missing the mark. So we have to be able to show, because the research also demonstrated that the more you feel you belong in in an organization, the more access you have the easier Mm. it is for you to advance. And so often the people who are leaders, they do feel belonging. Now, what's interesting about that is that, and and this was, I think, what tipped the scales for a lot of the white males who were leaders 
where they started to recognize that not all male leaders actually experience belonging. Exactly. And when that started to happen, what happened was we started to then having to look at, well, what's the underlying background? So if you look at somebody who's in compliance, a white male who is even a leader in compliance often does not feel that they belong, primarily because um, compliance is a conflict um, business unit, right? They're they're often not. It's like mm. accounting. It's sometimes yeah. like HR. Yeah. And so the specific categories, you know, marketing and sales are very yeah. always right. Right. They're always. Always, they're always like, oh, uh-huh. I, I can make this work. Yeah. But, but these other roles are not so much. Yeah. So. And so feeling valued is kind of what I'm hearing here. Sure. And so each of those are broken down. If we look at uh, filtering. Um, being valued. Being valued is actually an indicator of uh, connection. Mm. Uh, being in, empowered is a value of contribution. Yeah. Uh, being accepted is a value of comfort. So yeah. those are those are elements that yeah. when we did all of our primary research with our focus groups, yeah. Yeah. this is where our data pointed us. And then yeah. we were able to really um, hone in on the indicators mm. and then the behaviors as well as the workplace tactics to create yeah. that environment. Love I that. Think I need to raise my hand to get a word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Really I was, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I was gonna say Cammy. That I can use my privilege to come in and have a conversation here as well. So anyway, I just thought I would raise my hand on Zoom. So oh, Cami, so, I was I was just about to say, Cami, you've been really quiet. Have you? I know, I know, you've got lots to say. Loving listening to oh. you, getting really excited about <laughs> about the subject. I think. You know, Andrea, I don't know if you realize this, but Ishreen's all about belonging. You, you've seen it in the title of her company, right? Belonging Pioneers yes. is what we do. And so the fact that you're this person who is advocating, is, an ad, is, is stewarding, is doing all this research and, and stuff, really important stuff, if I can put it like that. I know Please, it's a very important yes. word right now, <laughs> you know, around belonging is just brilliant and I can I can see that you know this this is an exciting conversation mm. but I just wanted to just just bring in because you've touched on privilege and you've mm. talked about privilege and you're mentioning how if you and what I've heard is and correct me if I, he- I heard it wrong but what I was hearing is that if we experience belonging in our workplace we have privilege that's right and, oh, and yes that's right right so that's it that's so, exactly it and and that for me, I don't know if you felt it, Ishreen, but I felt a shiver just go up my spine or down. I don't know. You know, it, it feels it felt like we've been because we've we've you know we've got this privileged conundrum where we're we're this research we're doing and you know our evolving measures um, are around everything you've said. You know, being valued, empowered, accepted, psychological safety, inclusion. So there feels like this synergy there. You're coming at it from the point of view of belonging. We're mm-hmm. coming at it from the point of view of privilege. And if I can just share with you some data, right? So please, we we know that in our data, 81% of respondents have said they experience use of privilege at work, right? So the vast majority of them will probably say something along the lines of that it was used on me or exercised on over me, that sort of experience, right? Yes. And 
over 50% believe that they that they use their use of privilege in the workplace is actually unconscious and un, unintentional but when it's intentional they blame the organization culture so it's really interesting there's a dynamic here i think that I've, i i i feel like we're on the verge of something you know um it, of uncovering something really important <sighs> Yes, and, and I would I would agree with that, Kami, because your data and aligns with the belonging data, and it's interesting because I, I won't go into the the statistics in in this podcast, but when we look at the flip side of uh, belonging, and specifically when we asked our participants in the study to identify what it means when you don't belong. Mm. And and when they don't belong, and they were able to very clearly articulate what it means to not belong, that is where, so it is gossip, um, spreading rumors, um, microaggressive tendencies, um, having leaders who are defensive, mm. who are dishonest, who are so results-oriented that they do not see the impact of each individual employee. Um, being exclusive or elitist or mm. being fake. Yeah. And those those were the, the top words that were used to yeah. describe what it is like to be in an organization yeah. where you don't belong. Because yeah. when you belong, you have privilege in a way that somebody will say for you, if you've made a mistake, they've made a mistake. Mm. This yeah. isn't, you know, this isn't the end of the world. Yes, we've had X, Y, Z happen internally. How do we write this? How yeah. do we make this better? But it doesn't become a blame, shame, and ostracization game. Yeah. Which is something that in toxic cultures or in cultures where people don't belong, yeah. that is the experience. Yeah. So this is interesting, Cammy. It reminds me of a lot of the work we do with our clients on the culture web, right? Yeah. So we see yeah. those words come up a lot. Um, so I'm interested in, do you need to have privilege in order to belong or does that you belong mean you have privilege? Because that's what you said, Cammy, right? So yeah, I, would I, I would assert once, that. Once you, once you belong, you, you have privilege. But the thing is, in order to belong, do you have to have privilege in the first place? That my assertion is you need to have some form of privilege in order to experience belonging. And what I found really interesting about the work that you and Roger are leading, Cami, is that there were some people who owned up to using privilege for their own benefit. Yes, no, they're, they're definitely... Um... There definitely are. Uh, there is definitely acknowledgement that privilege is something that they will use themselves. There's a very small percentage who say there's no such thing as privilege, um, mm -hmm. which is interesting in itself. But um, you know, there, there is there is a sense of um, it being used consciously or unconsciously, uh, you know, to advantage over others. So if you're using it yourself, then you're using it, and you're mm -hmm. using it deliberately, and you own that. There are a few who, who will who will own who will sign up to that and say, yeah, I own that. I do do that. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for joining us. 
Our intention is to bring you new insights about the impact of power, privilege and purpose at work for you and for your organization. You can check out our episode description for social media accounts and don't forget to send in your questions and you can send those to our email equitychampions at belongingpioneers.com. We look forward to sharing more about power, privilege and purpose at work with you on this podcast. Now, if you got value, please remember to share it with your networks. Please leave us a review. And as Cammie said, please do remember to send us any questions that you'd like us to discuss on this podcast. And we'll see you next time. Next time. Bye.